This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. You know, we're talking about the comeback. And I'm sure you have a clue by now what that comeback is really talking about. And uh, we welcome you here to celebrate with us the comeback, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The comeback, it changes things. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it changes things. No, it changes everything. Genuinely, it does. Just like as you look around us right now, on your way in, you'll see it tomorrow, the next day, the next day. There's nothing in the whole wide world that can hold springtime back. Not with all this water coming down on it, especially. I'm seeing stuff growing. There's new life bursting forth all around us. Spring is bringing life back. You see any flowers out there? Leaves out there? Things growing? Hear any birds are chirping out there? There's a wonderful comeback. I would like to uh, read you a uh, few passages out of the book of Mark. Chapter 16, verse 1. And it says here, it says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary the mother of James went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Why were they going to anoint his body? Because he died. They were putting him in a tomb. Verse 2 says, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, we're asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. Calm down. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Jesus came back. It is one of the most powerfully documented historically, you know, events of all times. We measure our time, you know, 2019 by it. Um, the angel went on to say, look, this is where they laid his body. Now, it looked like poverty had overtaken Jesus at his birth when his mom couldn't find a, a motel, an inn to stay in, and Jesus was born in a stable, it looked like poverty had overtaken him, but not so. It looked like the Jewish rage and hostility had conquered Jesus by the death of the cross, but not so. It looked like Christ was defeated. Everybody who had been there had heard, but not so. Christ triumphed. It wasn't an accident. It was a divine, you know, plan that Almighty God had. And it was the most awesome comeback of all times. I saw in the news the other day that, uh, what's that golfer's name? 
Tiger Woods had a comeback, you know? That's pretty cool, but it ain't nothing compared to what Jesus did. He had an awesome, fantastic comeback. He rose from the dead. Picking up in verse 7, it says, Now go and tell. And that's kind of like, I don't know if you had it in your schools here in Connecticut, like I did when I was a kid. We had a show and tell at school. You'd bring a seashell or you brought something and you would tell about it and all. Well, here we see in verse 7, it says, Now go and tell his disciples. And then it uses two interesting words. It says, including Peter. Go and tell his disciples, including Peter. You remember that Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus right before he was crucified? To just a maid, to a, 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 a lady. Wasn't even a, a soldier or a guard or anything. Said, I know you was with Jesus. And he swore and he declared that he didn't ever know Jesus and he denied him three times. So Peter pretty much felt like dirt, you know. And then after Jesus rose from the dead, the angel said, now you go and tell his disciples, including Peter, because he would not have considered himself a disciple anymore. Anybody here ever made a mistake? You ever feel like you might let God down? Well, his word speaks to us all. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. And you can trust everything that he has told you. Verse 8 says, and the woman fled from the tomb, trembling, bewildered. They were confused. You know, they were puzzled. They were dazzled. It's just like days and just like not thinking right. It's like, what has happened here? And they said, Nothing to anyone because they were too afraid. After the comeback, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. And you know, at this point in time, she had a real bargain going. She had a sale on embalming spices at this point in time because they couldn't find the body to embalm it because Jesus had risen from the dead. It says in verse 10, she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and she told them all about the comeback. She told them what happened. But when she told them about Jesus raising from the dead, that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Oh, is it difficult for us to believe what God's word says? We ever have doubt can overwhelm us? Well, they didn't believe her. The disciples didn't. Verse 12, after he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country, they rushed back to tell the others, but, not, but no one believed them. Two events here. Still later, he appeared to 11 disciples as they were eating together. And he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief. Unbelief can be stubborn. I'm not going to believe, you know. You ever hear people say, well, seeing is believing. You ever hear that? Well, you know, biblical faith is exactly the opposite. Believing is seeing. You pray and you believe God and you see answers to prayer. Anyhow. It says, 
Verse 14, still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them from their, for their stubborn unbelief because they, what's that word? They refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. They refused to believe. And there are people who may refuse to believe in the resurrection in this day and time. They refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Verse 15 says, and then he told them, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe, like the disciples were doing there for a while, will be condemned. See, there's no heaven. And, and you can study every which way you want to in God's word. There is no heaven without believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the component that makes all the difference is that Jesus rose from the dead after he paid for your and my sins. And then it goes on to say in verse 17, these miraculous signs, this is resurrection power he is talking about. Jesus said, these miraculous signs will accompany those who doubt. Is there a difference? These miraculous signs, are y'all cool with... Uh, I'm not talking about temperature. Are y'all cool with Jesus working a miracle in your life? In the life of maybe some of your loved ones or friends? Is that okay? He says these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Not those who refuse to believe. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. Now, don't jump to a conclusion here. We see the apostle, he was out there, shipwrecked. He was throwing some wood on the fire. A snake came out and bit him. And he shook it off into the fire. And all the primitive people from that island kept watching. They knew it was deadly. They knew he was going to die in just a few moments. But he didn't die. There was a miraculous thing that took place and then they wanted to hear about this gospel that had protected him from this horribly venomous snake. And the Bible says that. <clears throat> he says, they'll be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on sick, on the sick, and they will be healed. I'm telling you, this goes along with the resurrection power. Resurrection power. Jesus, he rose from the dead, but he tells us there's a resurrection power that is available. It was to those who uh, believe. That's what he said. To all believers after the comeback. To all believers after the resurrection, this miraculous power is available. And you know what? We don't want to waste our breath when we pray. We want things to happen. He goes on to say in verse 19, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and they preached. And the Lord worked, how? Through them as he wants to work through you. Every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl, Jesus, 
the risen Savior wants to work through us. His resurrection power that raised him from the dead, that resurrection power is available to you. Now, the accuser of the brethren would tell you he's going to knock you out. You don't mess with him. If I'm not mistaken, the Bible says something like, greater is he who is in you than the devil that's in this world. Anyhow, it says in verse 20, and the disciples went everywhere and they preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said with many miraculous signs. That's what he said. He, Jesus, was working through people with his resurrection power. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, it says, friends, let me go over the message with you one final time. This message that I proclaimed and that you made your own, this message on which you took your stand in faith and by which your life has been saved, this message has changed everything. I'm telling you, a man, a woman, or a boy and girl who gets a hold of the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, gets a hold of the message that he came back, everything changes for the better. Everything changes. He goes on to say, I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing and not a passing fancy and that you're in this for the good and holding fast. Now, now how many of you here, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? You know that. Can't talk you out of it. See, you've experienced that resurrection power. You've experienced a relationship with him. He goes on to say in verse 3, the first thing I did, he said, the first thing I did was place, the first thing I did was place before you what was placed so emphatically or convincingly before me, that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, died for our sins exactly as the scripture tells us. And he was buried. There's that, you know, thing that we call death and burial, you know. And then there was this comeback. And he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Again, exactly as the scriptures say. And God's word and his promises can absolutely be trusted. Verse 5 says, and that he was seen. He was seen, he was seen alive of Cephas, and Cephas, that was Peter. That was the way they said that in the Greek. It's, and it says, and he was seen of Cephas. Changed everything in Peter's life when he saw Jesus risen from the dead. And then seen, alive of course, of the twelve. That was his closest followers. And it changed everything in the lives of those twelve. And it says, and after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren, believers, followers. At one time, they, over 500 people saw Jesus alive after the resurrection. And it changed everything about those 500 people, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. Some have died and they've already gone to heaven because they believed in the resurrection. Verse 7 says, after that, he was seen of James. Changed everything there was in James's life. Then, of all the apostles, those who had been commissioned, those who were representing Jesus, then of all the apostles, it changed everything about them. 
and including Thomas. You remember what Thomas, I'm, I'm a Thomas, and I introduced myself as a, a believing Thomas because in the Bible there's this doubting Thomas. And if you remember, Thomas was the one who says, I, because Jesus appeared after the resurrection to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I see the scars on his body, the wounds on his body. I will not believe that he rose from the dead until I put my hand in his side where they gashed him open. That's what Thomas said. You remember when Jesus revealed himself to Thomas? He said, oh, come over here, Thomas. Put your hand here. I'm going to tell you, the resurrection changed everything about Thomas. And then Apostle Paul, he says, and last of all, he was seen alive of me also. And it changed. It changed. Well, Paul had been called Saul, but it changed everything about Paul. Think about it for just a moment. Do you fearlessly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your Lord? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Let me just read you one verse. This is the verse. This right here is a verse worth memorizing. It says in Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and, number two, believe in your heart that what happened? God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Believing the resurrection is paramount, it's key to receiving the resurrection power that changes us, that causes us to become new creatures in Christ Jesus. For the old things are passed away and all things have become new. Anyhow, I'm going to read one more verse, two more verses over here that we were reading about all the people uh, seeing Jesus after the resurrection. Verse 9 says, It was fitting that I bring up the rear. I don't deserve to be included in that inner circle. As you well know, having spent all those early years trying my best to stamp God's church right out of existence. That was Paul, whose name was Saul. But he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was blinded. And then he was healed and he was saved. And then he gave the rest of his life to serve almighty God. He said, but I used those years trying to stamp God's church right out of existence. Verse 10, but because God was so gracious, so very generous, here I am. And I am not about to let his grace go to waste. It changed me. That's what Paul said. It changed everything about me. He was living for the law. He was living for the religious activities and all. But then he met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the one who had paid for his sin and had risen from the dead, who came back. And it transformed the Apostle Paul. And he gave his entire being to declare this awesome, fantastic gospel for the rest of his life. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Let me see. I forgot to bring my bag out here.
See what I have here. Hey, do we have a cup in the back? Just a little clear plastic cup or something, other. I'm not really gonna eat a whole lot like I like to do. But I want to show you something. I want you to understand. Thank you, that's perfect. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. But let me read you what the scripture says. First Corinthians eleven twenty three. it says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on. Let me go over this exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper. And why it is so, what's those two words say? Centrally important. Why is the Lord's Supper important? Centrally important to Christianity. He said, I received my instructions from the master himself. Jesus told me this. And I pass it on to you. The master Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it. Like so. He broke it. As soon as I can find where I'm at, I'll read the rest of it there. Having given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. What's he saying? Now, I'd like you to go, let me see, where did I put those? I'd like you to go and buy you some seeds. I didn't get a chance to get them today. So, oh, here they are. Got you some, uh, got me a package anyhow, of some flower seeds. They're called forget-me-nots. You ever heard of them? Do we ever forget about Jesus? In reality, Christians going through life, not on Sunday, not on Saturday, but do we ever get preoccupied with life and may not include him in everything as possible. And that's why he said, I want you to understand how centrally important communion, the Lord's Supper, is. And he says, I received these instructions from the master himself. He passed it on to me. I pass it on to you. And he says, verse 24, having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. Forget me not. That's what he's saying. Don't forget me. That's why we have communion. So we don't forget. Now, I'm going to do something that's going to probably make me really unpopular with other churches. But I'm just going to say what the Bible says. You can have communion in your own home by yourself with your family as often as you want to. Did you know that? I did. Susan and I did. When we were teenagers, we'd get together with some other people. And there was times, and it might have been sacrilegious, you know, that's what people told me, that all we had was Pepsi and potato chips. 
And we had communion. Why, why is communion valuable? To remember him. Remember what he did. Remember that his body was broken for you. That's what he says. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. You know? This cup is my blood. And I actually happen to have some Concord grape juice. I was teasing. I was teasing. But I might have done it if I couldn't get it open, you know. But he said, what? To do it. Do this to remember me. Each time you drink this cup, remember, forgive me not, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. I'm talking about another comeback. Jesus came back from death, did he not? And we, cele we celebrate communion and we do it with full confidence that Jesus rose from the dead. But remember the price that he paid because he loves us. And he says, do it again and again and again until the master returns. The Bible refers to it as a second coming. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And when everything's ready, I'm coming back to get you, to take you with me. Are you familiar with that? Book of John. There's another comeback. He came back from, from the tomb. And he says, you keep taking a piece of that bread, keep taking a little of that juice, for what purpose? To remember me. Don't forget me. That's what he was saying. Don't forget me. So, nothing really holy about the, the bread and the cup. Nothing really holy about it at all. But what it does for us is what Jesus said. It reenacts the words and actions, the death of the master. And it will draw you back to this meal again and again until the master returns. And he is coming back. I'm telling you, he is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the defining moment of history. It's that pivotal moment of our lives where change begins and clearly becomes visible. Have you ever seen someone come to know Jesus? Have you ever seen their life change? How many of you would testify your life changed? And he says, do this. So you get a hamburger roll, you got a pita, it don't matter. I've used, as I told you, a potato chip because that's all we had. And we remembered him. 
and we remembered him. And we need to remember the price that he paid. But in light of the resurrection, we need to remember the comeback because he said, I'm coming back again. And when he says something, he does it. So the comeback, what I'm talking about here, it changes everything. You need some change in your life? The comeback, the resurrection changes everything. Just real quickly here, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned except Jesus. We know that Jesus never sinned, you know. And, and sin uh, is a major obstacle that, that blocks us all the time. But it says, For all have sinned and all fall short. Sin causes us to fall short. We just don't quite make it. For all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. See, we were born with Adam's sinful nature. And, and none, none of our own, we were just born with the nature of sin. And therefore we sin and, and we all fall short. And we all do things we shouldn't do. But the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. To change us and to set us free from being controlled by Adam's sinful nature. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin, for the wages of sin, and sin is that obstacle causing us to fall, but the wages of sin is death. And, and most people are afraid of death. Have you noticed that to be true? Most people are afraid of death. Now, there's a guy by the name of Mel Blank. He was a creator of uh, the cartoon characters, or maybe you're familiar with them, Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. Do we have a clip of, of, of Bugs Bunny? That's all, folks. When he died, on his tombstone, do we have a picture of his tombstone? Okay. That's all, folks. Mel Blanc, man of a thousand voices. But I got to tell you something. Thank you, guys. You think about this. That's what he said. An epitaph on a tombstone. Would you put that on your tombstone? No. Because it's not all, folks. When you draw your last breath, it's not all. It ain't really over with. God has prepared something fantastic for for us, and if you put your trust in Christ, how's it go? We've only just begun. You gotta be old to know that song. <laughs> Some of you are smiling, like, I know that song. <laughs> Anyhow, let me go back where it says in Romans 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But, it don't stop there. It ain't over. It ain't all over, folks. It's not. It's not all. <laughs> it says, for the wages of sin is death, but, everybody say, but. But, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift. Any volunteer? Just one. 
I just need a volunteer. I just, yeah, you look like a good volunteer to me. Y'all give him an applause. We're not going to box. Okay. I wasn't prepared. Okay. Is it okay if I give you a free gift? It's a $50 bill. Give him an applause. Thank you. That's it. Some people are saying, I'm going to get up next time. I'm coming to the 7 o'clock service. I'm coming to the 9 tomorrow. And I'm coming to the 11. Don't tell nobody about those other services, okay? I just wanted you to understand. How much did you pay for that? How much work did you have to do for it? Was it a gift? Was it free? Was it a positive experience? Would you do it again? But not today. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your help. Because what I wanted to illustrate is this passage. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift. Understand a free gift? You don't earn it. Nothing you don't do. You just receive it. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve death. We genuinely do. But we're offered forgiveness. We're offered pardon. We're offered eternal life instead. And it's free. Amen. A lot of people think, well, I got to earn it. My good hopefully outweighs my bad, you know? No, the free gift. Jesus rose from the dead so he could give a free gift to everybody. Everybody. And it's far greater value than 50 bucks, you know? Let me read you another passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 55, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where's your victory? And I'm going to say, you will not overcome me. Now, I might fall down. Y'all might put me uh, in the ground before long. It could happen. But you're not going to put that's all, folks, on, on my uh, epitaph. I do know that. But I can tell you one thing. No matter what the devil does, because I've received the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. My sins have been forgiven. I have been pardoned and I have been granted eternal life. And I can tell you this, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to be standing with Jesus one day. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is a resurrection that the Bible talks about because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We are part of the harvest that will follow him. And we shall live forever with him. Although it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you received that free gift? 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, where is your victory? It says, O death, where is your sting? Now, how many of you guys are afraid of uh, scorpions? I got some I'm going to turn loose over there in a moment. <laughs> I'm not really going to turn you loose, you know. But we're afraid of them because they got stingers. How many of you are afraid of uh, yellow jackets and white-faced hornets and wasps and things like that? Why are you afraid of them? They got stingers. Are you afraid of stingrays? Because they got stingers. That's what 
Happens. Are you afraid of butterflies? Grasshoppers? Lightning bugs? They don't have no stingers. You're not afraid of them. Because they don't have no stinger. So it says, oh death, where is your sting? And then it says, for sin is the sting that results in death. Now, this right here, I don't know if you want it or not. This is death. You probably don't want it, do you? You don't want it. I just threw this to yellow right before I got here. I hope something's in here that I'm hoping is here. Ugh. That's the sting of death. It says here, verse 56, it says, For sin is the sting that results in death. You know, the Bible says if you're born once, you die twice, and the, the second death is hell. You know, but but it's, you only experience a second death if if you've not been born twice, born again. You know, but what happens if you could remove a stinger from a scorpion? Well, I, I can tell you, as kids, we used to do this not with uh, scorpions, but I don't know why we did it. And don't fuss at me; I was a stupid kid, okay? <laughs> but we'd go outside and we'd. Really quick, hit a honeybee on the cloak and hit him and knock him down. And then grab him by the wings. And you can take your T-shirt, kind of roll it up like that, and you just kind of spit on it. That's not the bad part, okay? <laughs> get off kind of wet. Then you get a little honeybee over here, and you put it on the... But because it's moist, like your hand or your arm... The honeybee stinger, he sinks that stinger into your shirt. And then you can turn him loose and he'll just, you know, if he can, he'll fly away. He'll pull away. But the stinger has little barbs on it. You can't, like a fish hook, you can't, you can't pull it back out easily. And that little uh, sack at the end of the stinger is just going, hmm, hmm, hmm pumping venom into the t-shirt and it might have happened they might have got it into my hand a couple of times in the process learn how to do it you know and but then you can have the honeybee and you just walk around in your hand why why was it would you be afraid to hold him in your hand at that point no sting and the bible says the sting of death, the reason we're so fearful of death, the sting of death is sin. So Jesus, when he went on the cross and he died for three days, he went into the center of the earth, which the Bible refers to. That's where hell is at. And you can see what it looks like by the little pimple that pops called a volcano and see what's down there. And Jesus took what was coming to you and me, but he took your sin and he took my sin. 
And so now that my sin has been removed by Jesus Christ, I ain't afraid of death no more. I ain't afraid of it. Can't hurt me no more. Because the stinger has been removed. Same way a honeybee. You don't have to be afraid of it. Stinger's been removed. Does that make sense? That's why when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you accept him as your savior, it changes. Changes everything. Jesus took the stinger for us. He genuinely did. Now, if you remember a guy by the name of Steve Irwin, he learned the hard way you don't play with stingers. Stingray put a stinger right through his heart. He was a great guy. Everybody would like to watch him on television. He wrestled alligators and stuff all the time. But he played with the stinger, and he got stung. And he died shortly thereafter. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead, and he ripped that stinger out of death. And now, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And our loved ones who've gone on before us, who trusted Jesus Christ, they're in good shape. They're happy there, and they await our arrival one day. But you don't need to be afraid of death because Jesus took the stinger for you. If you believe it. There are some people we see in the Bible, they chose not to believe it. They refused to believe it. Anyhow, let's pick back up here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. And it said, how we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death. Wow, we prevail, we overcome, we triumph. Thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John 2.12 uh, says, I am writing to you, my dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been removed. Your sin has been removed because of Jesus. Verse 14 says, I have written to you who are young because you are strong, even young Believers can be greatly strong. Even young children can be strong in the faith. I've written to you who are young because you're strong. And with God's word living in your hearts, and you have won your battle with Satan. We saw a battle a little while ago, didn't we? And we see the guy, he, he was not near equipped to fight the powers of darkness. But he got up anyhow. Because the stinger had been removed and greater is Christ who is in us than the devil who is in this world. And we have been called upon to fight the good fight of faith. Romans 5, 6, it just simply says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He died for us to take the sting out of death. To take the sin out of death and we don't have to fear it anymore. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Other translation says we have a living hope. Hope means a great expectation for the future. But it says we've been born again. That's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
He says here, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow. I'm talking about the most phenomenal comeback. And when you believe in the comeback, when you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the reason he was crucified was to remove the stinger from death, which he did. And he proved it. He did it when he rose from the dead. And I'm telling you, when you believe in Jesus and you believe in the resurrection, it changes things. It changes everything in your life. Now, when I go hiking up on the mountain behind my house, let's just say if I go up there and it's cold or it's snowing, would fire make a difference up there? Fire changes everything. You got light, you've got warmth, you know. You know, you, you got life, you know. Fire keeps the wild animals away. You know, fire, uh, you can boil your water and, and sterilize it. Fire can cook your food. Fire changes things, does it not? The fire that's in these light bulbs up here, the fire that's in your automobile burning that gas or diesel to get you home and back, fire changes things. It genuinely does, you know. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus makes a bigger change. I'm going to read you one more, one more passage. Yeah. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wait a minute, hold on. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, would you allow that spirit to live in you? Such a powerful spirit as that? The Holy Spirit. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. You remember what the apostle said there in Philippians? He says, I know I said I was going to read one more verse, but I actually have two more real short ones, kind of. I, I was just going to do it and not apologize for it, but I feel like I should apologize because I said one, and I really meant three, you know. So you forgive me? Thank you. Okay. All right, Philippians 3.10. It's a quick one. It says, I want to know. Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to experience our resurrection power. I want to lay my hands on the sick people and they recover. I want to say prayers and my prayers are being answered. I want that resurrection power operating in me. What about you? And Paul said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. I want that power, that resurrection power that raised him from.